Amen. You alone are worthy. 
tonight, you are worthy to be praised, to be glorified. We honor you, Lord, in your presence. We thank you, Lord, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is peace. So we thank you, Father, for the liberty of your spirit in this place tonight. Open our hearts, Holy One, to receive all that you have for us from the living word of God. All God's people said, Amen. Amen, amen. You can be seated. Oh, I got on today. If you haven't uh, registered and you want to go to Open the Heavens Conference, uh, Pastor Hank's church in Council Bluffs, it's September 15th through the 17th, I think. Uh, the first night will be uh, Gene Bailey, Mario, Lance, and Hank. It'll be Flashpoint Live. Um, the next morning is Kent Christmas. The next afternoon is Tony Suarez, which we missed last year, and they said he was really, that was really excellent. Um and then in the e- that evening is Rod Parsley and Phil Driscoll. Any of you old timers remember Phil Driscoll? Yes. Phil, yeah, and he plays the trumpet. So if you don't know that, he's the he's yeah the musical um, special that night. And then um, Saturday morning is Pastor Brenda. Saturday afternoon is Kat Kerr and Robin Bullock. And then uh, Saturday evening is Pastor Hank. And then then there's a Sunday one, but I didn't get that one. Anyway, so if you're interested in that, uh, get online, make your reservation. uh, Make sure you get your motel reservations. And if you're interested in helping, I think they're going to need some help. Uh, Pastor Doug said they'd contact us when it got a little closer. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. If you have your Bibles, open to Second Timothy. This is the book for today. I think for today's times, because it's the one we talk about a lot. About he talks about perilous times and perilous men. But when you read the and I don't have time to go through the whole book of Second Timothy right now. Uh, we're going to just hit some scriptures, a few scriptures. But this is one that you really should spend some time in because it really is just about like it's written for today. And so that would be a good place. But we, you need to understand why it was written, who wrote it. Paul wrote it, of course. At this time, Paul had been in prison once before, and it was a pretty light sentence. You know, they let him stay in his own place and he do his own thing, and they had guards. But this time, Paul was imprisoned, and he was in a dungeon, and he was been treating poorly, and um, he was writing to Timothy, and it it was towards the end of his life, most likely, from what they can tell. And he's writing to Timothy, who is his son in the Lord, and he's giving him instruction on how to deal with perilous times and perilous people and keep the faith and not get off track and not be deceived. And so that is a good thing for today. But we're going to go 
to um, verse 15 and, and kind of go from this scripture. Um, chapter 2, verse 15. You've all heard this one before. He's in just right here. There's three things right in this verse. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker. That's one that a lot of Christians don't like. A worker. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Specifically, what he's talking about here is being diligent to work at getting the word of God in your life and, and dividing it and, and discerning it accurately. And so that's one of the biggest things because we talk a lot about how there is just so much change going on. There has been so much change since 2020 and the whole COVID thing and people have changed and attitudes have changed and churches has changed and politics has changed and all these change, you know, and you know, I talk a lot about Monroe, but Monroe, when I was in Monroe in high school and the charismatic revival hit, everything changed. And we didn't really, people did not really know how to navigate it. But I was fortunate, had a wonderful pastor, and he taught me four things. He taught me to pray in the Holy Spirit. He taught me to read the word, read the word, read the word. He taught me to live right and be in church. And he taught me to tithe. And those four things have just sustained us through through all the years. If we can do these things, and basically that's what, Paul is telling Timothy is rightly divide the word of God and stay on track. Don't get off to the right. Don't get off to the left. And it's very important to maintain balance. And, you know, he taught, he had that great story he told from years ago when he'd been to a pastor's conference and he came home and he was way in the back of the plane and they made him move up because the plane was unbalanced and they had to, we always need to maintain balance. And you say, well, you know, you know, we can, you don't want to be, be cold. You don't want to be lukewarm, but the word of God is always true. So if you get way to the left or you get way to the right, you're going to be in the ditch, but the word of God keeps you on course and on target. And so we need to work at staying balanced and in rightly dividing the word of truth, we need to read and study the word of God in its context. So I, you know, I just told you the background of how this was written, why it was written. And I think this is really important because I see a lot of this right now. There's a lot of things, a lot of scriptures being taken out of context and we aren't reading the whole thing. Now there's wonderful scriptures. We can read one at a time, you know, second Timothy, uh, 1 verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound, well-disciplined mind. Great scripture. Great scripture to have in your, your, um, your scripture library, to have in your heart, because, because it's so important, but, in all, in all reality, we need to understand why that was written. We under, need to understand in what context that was written. That wasn't just written to everybody. That was re, written to somebody that, that Paul was saying you need to, in verse 6, he says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God that is in, that is in you through the laying of on, on of hands. For God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. In other words, he's telling Timothy not to be timid. But to be bold, and we have so many Christians, so many pastors right now, they're so afraid of speaking the truth. They're so timid. 
and, and we're seeing it everywhere. And, and what happens is people start to cherry pick scriptures. And that's really rampant right now. People are cherry picking scriptures to make them fit into their own agendas and to fulfill their own desires. You know, you see, this is, isn't really a scripture, but they take it in and try to make it seem like it's a scripture all the time. You see it all the time. Love is love. No, love is not love. <laughs> love does not side with evil. Love does not do what's wrong. Love always follows after what's right and the word of what's right in the word of God. And love is is true and it doesn't lie and it doesn't twist the truth and it doesn't go about trying to seek its own desires. And basically that's what that's saying. Love is love. I just want what I want and I want to make the scripture fit that scenario. And we can't do that. We can't cherry pick the scriptures to make them fit to our own agenda or to fulfill our own desire. Sound doctrine is not established by one lone scripture. And, and I, you know, I get on, um, you get on social media and you see, you know, what people will try to promote one scripture or one doctrine or one idea. Or I heard this one time, you know, my aunt's uncle's cousin's brother said this, regardless of the fact that he's a pedophile felon, you know, it sounded good. So I'm going to make it. You can't make doctrine out of something like that. You've got to do what Paul was telling Timothy to be diligent to study the word of God and the whole word of God. And when you also study the word of God, you have to take in and consider the character of God is how it's written. You know, another just a cornerstone scripture is, is Jesus came to, uh, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus has come to have, give you life and have it abundantly. And so if you take the scripture you know, and, and people have built doctrines around they don't know whether it's God's will to heal or not. Well, look at the character of God. A good father doesn't make his children sick to teach them something. But we get stuck in these old things. You know, well, I heard that once. Well, I grew up with that idea once. Well, but what does the word say? Be diligent to see what all of the word of God says and study it all out. That's so important because as he goes in and he talks about this, then he goes in and talks about not being deceived. So sound doctrine is what will help us to keep from being deceived. Trying to take our personal desires, preconceived notions, and make scripture fit that scenario is where heresy, false doctrine, and deception come from. The traditions of man make the word of God of no effect, or it makes it ineffective. So we need to make sure that we are rightly dividing the word of God. When Mike Plain was here, he talked about accountability. And accountability is important. That's one reason it's important to fellowship with one another, to get to fellowship, not just to pat each other's back, but to keep a balance on one another, to be accountable. I was listening to Bill, a message by Bill Johnson about a week ago, and, and it was interesting. He says, do you know one of the, you want to hear one of the biggest things I struggle with? And they're, yeah, yeah, what do you struggle with, Bill? And he says, one of the biggest things I struggle with is when to wait and when to take action. You know, because the word of God says to wait on God, 
but yet it also tells us to be doers of the word. But we don't want to get out ahead of God, but we don't want to be disobedient of God. So we need to, to find that balance and, and weigh it out in the word of God. And it helps when we're in fellowship and we can, you know, find people that are like-minded. Don't just go pick somebody up off the street and get their opinion, but find somebody that will help you keep well-balanced. Now, when God does a new thing, or we move forward into a new season, which which is what we're doing. We're into a, a new season. Things are changing. You know, really, in all reality with God, we're always in a new season. The reason, the way you get backslidden is by not moving with God, and God's always on the move. It may not be as noticeable sometimes as others, but last week I talked about, you know, how many healings we've seen just in the last year as compared to what we've seen in the last 20 years. But the other thing I've noticed is, is I don't know, when, when I sit down and, and meditate the word or read the word, it's like there's a lot more revelation. I'm getting a lot more. It's like the scriptures are open more to me. And, and that God's doing that. And a lot of times we overlook, we're looking for some big explosion and we miss what God's really doing. And so we need to be sensitive to that. But when God does a, mo- a new thing and we move forward into a new season, we need to realize, you know, we have to learn to navigate. We've got to, we don't know all things. But the prophets will always, when something's new, something's new coming, the prophets declare it. And the prophets have been declaring it. But worship will help usher us into that season. And then the word of God will always confirm and establish that. Now, usually with people, you'll find they, they focus on one of three things. And, you know, you can't make a doctrine out of that. But just as a rule, people either like to pray, they like to praise, or they like to study the word. He has always been a prayer. I mean, he still has to read the word, he still has to worship, but his primary focus has always been prayer. His, obviously, has always been worship. I prefer to read and study the word, I think Scott does, probably Brad. We all have an area where we're more fitted into, but... I've just been sensing, and so I'm not a worship person. I've never tried to deceive anybody into thinking that I'm a worship person. (laughs) I appreciate worship. We need all those, but it's not my thing. (laughs) You know, it'd help if I could sing, if I could, you know, I just feel better about the whole thing. But anyway, we need to worship. So I'm not saying I'm a an expert on worship, but I've been perceiving for a long time. You just have this knowing this knower, knowing, a knowing in your knower, it's just you can't really put your finger, that God's wanting to do something with our worship. And I think you can go along with that. And, and here again, we all need to stay well balanced, but I've just been perceiving and I don't understand, didn't understand it all. I just, it kind of, just to be honest with you, it's been kind of gnawing on me. It just, I know I'm just not, we're just not right there yet. It just kind of, gravel or something but I know for one thing we have this tendency and I've talked about this before we come and we worship and we worship and we worship and we've got to realize there comes a point when God wants to minister to us and we have to let him do that we we worship yes God here's the balance thing we need to minister to God and worship but we have to allow him to minister to us too 
because that's where our strength and our hope and our all those things come from. Allow him to refresh us and renew us and strengthen us. And, and it's like letting somebody, you know, you invite a guest to the door or to the house and they come to the door and you're so busy you don't hear them or invite them in. And we've got to make sure we invite Jesus in and allow him to minister to us and not be sometimes we get so caught up in works that that it just it just that's what it is it's just works and it's not by faith and we need to recognize where two or three are gathered in his name there he's going to be in our midst and allow him realize he's here we've got to let him minister to us and so we've been talking about this a lot about pray praise and worship and a time to be still and attentive and a time to shout and there's all these different things but like I said it's like there was this puzzle piece and it just wasn't I wasn't getting it right in the right in the right puzzle and then last week when we talked about this Dustin shared that was was so good just he shared one thing and it just brought light to me where he talked about in the Psalms where you'll read and it says Selah Selah I don't know how. And so I went home and just started looking at that, and it goes, it's a pause. And he said that, it's a pause. So David was instructing people, pause. And then when I studied out, it's a time to be contemplative, to think about. And back then, they didn't even have the Spirit of God. But I think it's a time to be still and let God minister to us. And that's kind of what I'm perceiving. But then Sunday, I was visiting with Scott. And then Scott got sharing some things that God had been dealing with him about with praise. And it just lined up so much with kind of, it just helped bring me into balance, helped bring my thinking into where it needed to be. So I would ask Scott and he's going to take about 10 minutes and he's going to share with you those things that he shared with me that God's been sharing with him. You actually hit one of the main points I was going to bring up was the ministering part. I put on there that uh, David was a man after God's own heart, and he allowed God to minister to him. Uh, The way that he did it was, I was talking to Abe about this. It is actually something I'm still digging into is Davidic worship, something that was something that David was known for, which was being able to enter into the presence of God. Because of the Psalms that he wrote, he was so in tune with God, deep, a deep, deep within his whole being. It's called an inner core, which would be what we would call our spirit man. And there are seven Hebrew words of praise or levels. And I'd never heard of this before. I was speaking to my nephew and we just clicked right away and said that their church was going on with this and they're under Barclays, who we get our uh, predictions for every year. And he said that, I, I mentioned the word stretch to them, and I know I mentioned it to you before, and he just stopped and he goes, no way. And it's something that their pastor has been talking about in their way of worship. And then he asked me, did you hear about the seven Hebrew words of praise? I'm like, never heard of that, but I'm going to know it now because I wanted to know right away And this is what I was talking to Pastor Kathy about, and Abe, actually. I sent him stuff on it. Uh, I'll just give you the brief names of them, and then two 
two of the ones I'm going to go over, but one main one that is the one Pastor Kathy was talking about. And there's different ways of them pronouncing and writing these. Some of them are missing some of the words, but they're the same word. But Shabak is one of them, and that's the exclaim and shout and roar. That's that form of praise. And that's when you do the aggressive warfare praise. And Barak, that's when we do the kneel or bow to salute. It's adoration. And Yada, it's to extend, shout out, throw out, lift hands. It's a thankful expression. And Tuda, a thankful praise. This is the one where it's an act of faith, believing what will, what God will do. Uh, Zamar, this is the one I talked to Abe about. This is deals directly with mainly worship teams. It's fingers and hands to instruments. So you're doing a melody, making music while you're actually up in worship. That's a form of their praise that is mainly done up at the top. I'm not saying that people down here don't have instruments like Pastor don't like that could have this form of praise, but you don't want to get out of order there. Uh, halah is to radiate, to shine, to rave, to praise, to boast. That's the go mad praise. So that's when we get that shout out loud and just, I guess Bobby's good at it. So, but the main one I want to talk about is where I think we're all at and we're trying to get past and get to where God wants us. It's Tehillah. Tehillah is the one where it comes from the deep within your soul, within your spirit. It's your whole being. It's not one or the other. It's very down deep. It's a new song from God himself. Uh, you can look these things up. Psalms 40, 43, is, it tells you about this, actually. In Corinthian, or Colossians 3.16, singing with the grace, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, I have always looked up that word grace and heard it one time here at church from one of our special speakers, and I never let it go. It's God's ability. So you're singing with God's ability in your heart to the Lord. So he's given you that ability. There's something inside you that he's trying to pull it out, and he wants you to do it. I'm going to tag down to this because I wrote it in my notes. So it's spontaneous. It's not a practiced or orchestrated or planned act. It's something that comes from within your spirit. And David was really good at it. If you read, read his Psalms, uh, I had to go look into 104. 104 is one of the biggest ones that will tie to this Tehillah, the way he magnifies God and speaks about his majestic and all his ways that he has. Almost all his Psalms are like this, but 104 hits really hard on this. So I would look into that one if you want to know more about what Tehillah is. Uh, let's see. All right. And it also ties back to the restoration of the tabernacle of David. I never really studied that out until this time, and that ties to the Davidic worship. And if you look at it, the apostles, I have it in here, actually. The apostles themselves knew that the tabernacle of David was tied to the church. They knew the church was a restored tabernacle of David, the place where Christ is worshipped, speaks prophetically, and exercises his authority. The result of the church flowing in Davidic worship, prophecy, and authority was a great harvest of souls. That should speak volumes right there. So that's, that's a key that we're missing right there. So we're not to this spot, and the great harvest of souls already been spoken over this church many times. So I think that we need to back up 
and figure out what this flowing and this Davidic worship is so that we can operate in that prophecy and authority before this happens because it is happening. They will be coming. That's one of my words for the years God gave me is get ready. And we talk about it all the time. And he tells me it every week. I never have a week that goes by when I keep hearing it. So it's something's happening in the realm. Uh, let's see. I want to talk about a little bit more, tell you what the Davidic worship is. So the phrase Davidic worship simply means worship in spirit of the tabernacle of David. That is worship in the act of the whole person, not just the intellect. Don't let that go by you right there. I had to reread that. Not just in the intellect. So if you just let it go in the intellect, you're not really de- digging deep into your, your spiritual being. You're, you could get soulish. You can get flesh if you're just letting it go in the intellect. Uh, the worship of the tabernacle, David, also included the singing, instrumental music, standing, kneeling, bowing, upraised hands, clapping, and dancing. It fulfills the command of Jesus to love the Lord God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. I know there's one more thing I wanted to hit hard on. Let me read my notes here. Well, I did want to mention one thing real quick, and then I'll end it with that. Me and Pastor Kathy were talking about it, and I wanted to mention it. Uh, Most of these, the songs that we're hearing that they call so-called praise and worship songs. I I don't really think they're for the now. They might have been. They're, they're soulish. They're self. They're pity. It's a pity party. If it's not glorifying or exalting God, what's how can that be considered praise and worshiping to him? Because that's what praise and worship is. We're not praise and worship ourselves. Not our little whatever's going on in our world. We're supposed to be lifting him up, praising him, declaring who he is. The declaring who he is is very important. I was talking to someone about that. I was trying to remember. It might have been you. I know it was Nate. When we're declaring, when we're doing the praise and worship, we're actually declaring who God is. But not only who he is, but who he is in us and who we are in him. Cannot separate us now. Once we become one with him, we're actually representatives of Christ. So we need to go out and not only just praise and worship here. I, I don't know if I could make it a day without praise and worship. He's been dealing with me a lot with worship. I do like, like Pastor Kathy said, I do like to dig in the word. But worship is really, I'm, I'm almost like I'm, Getting more into that realm now. Uh, he says, I got down the, the study. And he does like it when I study and when I break down the word. But he also wants that time. He wants to be in that. And that's the best place in the presence of God is when you can do praise and worship and let him minister back to you. And that is very important what Pastor Kathy said. You do need to stop and listen. Because he does want to talk. He always is. He let me know that. And I always ask him questions. And he said he's already gave me the answers. I just didn't listen. So pay attention to that because he is talking to us every day. But I would study these out. They're, they're online. Just type in Google the seven Hebrew uh, 
versions of praise or levels of praise. And there's actually certain teachers that will teach individually each spot of those. I just took little bits of him, and then the Holy Spirit filled in the rest of what he wanted to get across. And he did want me to mention bringing this new song to the front line will win the battles that are lying ahead. So we need to get on board with Abe and the worship team when they're up there, when they step out. Like Pastor Kathy, I wanted to say something about you not singing well. He let me know that this form of worship isn't about words. It isn't, it's all about the expression you're sharing with God, whether it be through melody, whether it be through an instrument, or whether it be through your words. So it isn't about words. It's He wants you to dig deeper than what you're hearing. That's why I'm glad what Abe brought up. Close your eyes. I was already had my eyes closed because I don't want to enter into worship knowing what song's coming on. I don't want to sense the words or sense the music. I want to sense him. And as soon as you hit a key, when pastor sensed it in the past, certain things you guys had, the guitar was on. And it would hit the anointing on certain strings. Or the drums were on. And that's what I'm trying to sense God's presence coming. Not what we're singing. Even though it is important. I love your worship. But he's going to give you songs that we've never heard before. We're going to be like in awe just of what words God are giving, giving you to bring out to us. And not just you. Also you. So whoever's up there that represent him. And don't think that we can't do it as well, because we're doing it in our own time down there as well. So we can lift them up in our own. And don't limit it, like I said, don't limit praise and worship to here. You should do it every day, just like you read the word, because that's an intimate fellowship with God when you're praising and worshiping him. And he will minister back to you. There are new sounds coming new sounds and this is what i'm as i was sitting here when just he was finishing up and this is this is your assignment um because you come in here and our worship team they just don't show up and they practice so in the in the future when you're practicing because i've heard many times you come in and you practice and the anointing falls and it's just great, and then we come in, and it's not effective. We've talked about that. Many times you've been in here as a worship team, and then everybody comes in, and it doesn't flow. So this is what you do. And, and if you have to get an usher, send somebody over to get me at the office. As you're practicing, and that begins to happen, you, you come get me, and then we just keep going. We don't break as people come in, if they're not spiritually astute, it's their own fault. And we'll just come in here, and we'll just come in in the sanctuary and enter in. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be that way every week. It might not be. But if, 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 you're, if you're in a vein, don't stop. Keep it going. Amen. The core group here understands. And so we'll hook up, and then we can minister to God effectively. Amen? See, we're all learning. We're all learning. And uh, 
It's when you don't want to learn or if you don't want to change that you're going to miss it. And we're not going to miss it. I haven't spent, we haven't spent our whole life in ministry just to retire. Uh-uh. I'm going out with a bang. Amen. Yeah. right and see that what he just just made a statement about um that defines your maturity level if you're mature enough spiritually you'll come to church like that but right but with this core group though see you've been taught so you're held accountable for what you know and so you know, in the days ahead, you don't need the, the deer in the headlight look. When you come in and we're worshiping, you should just come in and hook right up. Amen. And uh, so, and there has to be that expectancy in your heart. Expect God. Expect God to move in our worship. Expect the word of the Lord to come forth. A word in season. Amen. Amen. Anything else? You better go get your kids. Yes. South Dakota, they released uh, any non-resident kid under 18 can fish without a permit until future fish. So what we'll probably be doing is we'll be doing an all-day Saturday fishing trip in South Dakota, and we'll be coming back, and the next day on Sunday, they can tell you about it. And the other one is I got a buddy who just lives north of town, has got an awesome airboat that holds six people. So some Wednesday night... That's that sounds like fun. Okay, let's. Yeah, we'll we'll give you plenty of notice, amen, and and uh, we'll make sure they all have life jackets, mom and dad. Amen. That's good. That's good. Well, that's all we have for tonight. God bless you, and we'll see you Sunday morning.